Welcome, everybody, to episode 53 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. You should follow us at Two on Three Pod on Twitter, or you can send us an email at at two on three pod.com. I'm Chris, and you can find me and the 40% of non miserable people on Twitter at CD Villasenor. And with me is Ty. Are you rolling with the big group or the small group on social media? It depends on the day. <laughs> I saw this. Uh, I saw this. Uh, this piece, but we'll get to it. But where can we find you, man? What's the well, you can find me being, uh, I guess, sometimes happy, sometimes unhappy at seatjk. But uh, where did you see that? Where did you see that statistic? There was a. It's actually an Instagram statistic that ah. apparently fifty. 55% of people on Instagram are miserable. Rate as miserable. Yeah, so, you know, all those smiling selfies. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Maybe they're trying to stem the tide of their ennui. In some yeah, I think it, it's form. probably tough if you feel like you're like a slave to it. Like, for me, Twitter is just an outlet. It's just a place, like, for my some of my stupidest thoughts. And, you know, when I see something, to say something useless about it like everybody else does. But uh, Instagram is like, it's especially I think if you run any sort of account with a following, that's got to be just the worst kind of pressure because it's not like you can just say something witty or stupid or take a day off. Like, you got to pump out content constantly, right? Isn't that part of the deal? Yeah, I think it's a, I think Instagram's a prison for people who are trying to do it as a business. Yeah. Or celebrities who are trying to, you know, make it in the world. I don't know. So I just, uh, (laughs) <laughs> I f- do I feel bad for them? I don't know. It's just kind of a modern problem. Anyway. I mean, you made your bed, right? Exactly. Well, so you know, today... I was, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to... I'm still segueing. <laughs> My six-year-old daughter has been doing the... Uh, she's been getting into the YouTube stars now. Now, it's only with supervision. I'm real paranoid about YouTube because that shit gets weird in a hurry. Um, but she has begun, like, recording herself um with a camera and to watch she's just watching it herself and she hasn't asked us if she could somehow she doesn't really quite understand the concept of making it public and i'm not really interested in teaching her how that works uh but she's like quite good at it and so part of me sort of if i was maybe had less integrity as a human being i'd be like hmm, how can i exploit my child for gain for personal gain but uh you know well like the you people said. the people who read the news for a living have to come from somewhere it's true right so maybe you never yeah. know. That's such a parent thing to do. My kid's pretty good at Lego. Well, he should be an architect. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Parents do that to each other all the time. They do it to themselves. I don't know. She can speak ex- extemporaneously uh, on camera. Perfect. Uh, about like whatever she's doing. So yeah, maybe she sh- she'll take Hoda's place on the Today Show. Someday. As far as I can tell, that's all that's happening on on YouTube anyway. <laughs> well, I know. Well, there you have it. So the show today, how are we doing it? So uh, we're going to break down a little holiday stuff with a sprinkle of NFL. In the yeah, first welcome segment. back. I'm interested in your stories. Sure. Um, um, in the second segment, we'll make a case for Aquaman. Aquaman, you as will. I like to call him. I'm going to make the case for Aquaman. Uh, in the third segment, we're going to talk a little Louis C.K. The big, mm. you know. <laughs> I can already see Ty getting riled up about this. This is Whatever. good. That's fine. And the OT, we've got a mixed bag of, of, uh, of things. So sure. we'll just you know we'll just get to it. Sounds good. Anyway, um, big vacation stories. I don't have the big vacation stories. My favorite vacation story is I went to Vegas for Christmas. Played a little golf. It was sunny, but it was a little cold. So mm-hmm. people say, "Oh, you're going to Vegas? It should be awesome." Yeah, it was like 48 degrees mm-hmm. every day, but it was at least sunny, which you can which you can deal with. It rained here a lot while you were gone. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so the last time we went to Vegas. My mom um, gives my son 50 bucks just because grandmas do that, right? Right. And I said to him, I said, hey, give me your 50 bucks. I'll combine it with my 50 bucks. I'll go out and gamble it. And whatever I win, uh, I'll split with you. Okay. So he's staking you. So he's like, he's like, no, I'm not giving you my 50 bucks. I'm like, all right, bud, that's fine. I basically stake myself for 100 bucks and win like 350. <laughs> <laughs> So, so come around this time. I said, "Hey, buddy, you got Christmas money." I said, "Hey, buddy, you got your hundred bucks. You want to put the hundred bucks with my hundred bucks? You know, I'll split the winnings with you." He couldn't have given me that money faster. <laughs> and uh, and and so I took it to the blackjack table where I hung out with my buddy Simon. Oh yeah, yeah. Had some drinks and we we gab like, you know, old people, and uh, we just play blackjack. 
modern blackjack at the at in Vegas is no longer just like whatever. It's you know it's not like you bet a hand or whatever. There's these side bets that exist now, mm-hmm. and basically your hand basically keeps you afloat into these side bets. Yeah, yeah. The bonus is where all the money's made. The bonus is where all the money is. So you're just that's modern blackjack now. You're playing good blackjack to fund these side bets in hopes you'll hit the side bets. Right. Well, I rocked a couple of side bets, so I'm probably up 200 bucks. And, you know, we had the table all to ourselves, and then these three just awful bro jack holes <laughs> sat down and destroyed the rest of the shoe that we were sitting on. Mm. And we left disgusted. But, you know, my son got. You know, a $50 cut. Yeah, a $60 cut from from his old man for investing. So he gave me 100 and he got $160 back. So I've taught him a horrible lesson about gambling <laughs> <laughs> because he's never, he's never seen me lose. Right. Well, that never and, does happen, right? Well, I mean, I, I rarely lose at gambling. <laughs> anyway, it's just one of those deals where I thought it was, I'm teaching my son horrible habits that I'm sure will come back to haunt him and me someday. So it was a Merry Christmas. That's nice. Speaking of horrible habits, one of the things I threw in for the OT, but I thought fits nicely here is that Kevin Van Valkenburg tweet at K Van Valkenburg for those who like quality sports writing, um, who tweeted right before, actually on Christmas day uh, in the afternoon that my nine-year-old nephew is telling Alexa to remind him in three minutes that quote, my brother sucks. End quote. And when she does, they dissolve into a fit of laughter with my daughters. So don't tell me technology hasn't brought us all closer together. And that's right in line. I got to hang out with that nine-year-old because that's right in line with my sense of humor, which is make the robot tell you something funny and and set it for a reminder so that automatically just kicks off. I just, I can hear Alexa saying, you know, you know, hey, whatever your name is, this is a reminder that your brother sucks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which which led me down this path where since my kids are still home this week because they mm-hmm. don't start school until Monday, I'm uh, totally going to use the mobile app and set a bunch of reminders. And hopefully I catch one of them in the kitchen at some point where they catch the reminder that they eat poop or something like that. <laughs> I'm totally <laughs> setting these. <laughs> and we'll see if I get a text at some point during the day. It's like, did you set a reminder that the kids eat poop? I'm like, ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> So we that's our, happening. We had our first babe back, and I think it's harder on us than it was on them. Like this morning, really? getting out of the house, I was like, "Oh, I forgot how much this sucks." There's like this artificial time pressure, like that exists, and obviously, it's not artificial. You got to make it a bus, but uh, it is sort of arbitrary. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the thing about kicking it back into gear. Yeah, I, my I, my workplace was not ready to work today. <laughs> <laughs> people were people were milling about aimlessly and. They had a bit of a blank look on their faces. I don't know. Maybe it'll kick into gear tomorrow. but Probably not. I think this is the zombie week. Yeah. It's just the undead workplace. Right. So yeah. it's the week before Christmas, which is was three days of just right. stumbling around. And then three days after New Year where everyone just stumbles around. You put the holidays in the middle of the week. You can't expect people to function anytime <laughs> around any of those days. <laughs> They're more at the end. It's I think you get a little bit better work out of people. That's true. That's true. Um, jumping into a little bit into this uh, idea of the NFL that I sort of peppered in here. I was yeah. people get fired in the NFL this time of year. Yeah, let's so do the show. Yeah, they they clean <laughs> 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 they clean the clocks. They some teams just clean them out. Black like, Monday, which, which is fine, probably deserve to be. Yeah, but I was sitting around thinking, if I was a prospective NFL head coach, how would I stack rank the open positions? Now, the open positions are such. They're Cleveland, Cincinnati, Green Bay, New York Jets, Tampa, Miami, Arizona, Denver. Now, using some criteria, just your own criteria, which which of those jobs would you like? You can use any criteria you want, but what, what, Cleveland. Would, what do you think? Cleveland. Cle- Cleveland's the best job. Why is that? They're the closest, and Baker's my kind of asshole. <laughs> you can't. You kind of have a Baker Mayfield thing. I see. I see a little Baker Mayfield and you in sort of the same. You're Baker, sort of built, yeah. Built the same. You got the same beard. <laughs> <laughs> built the same is is really kind of a quality compliment to me at this point in life. Yeah, well, rectangular. <laughs> yeah, once in upon nature. a time. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. I get I get a lot of you vibe from 
from uh, from Baker Mayfield. So that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. But do you want to live in Cleveland? You, you no, okay. but that's not the point. I think that if you're coaching NFL, I don't think that I don't, I, unless it's the end of your career, I'm not really sure that the environment matters all that much. I think you want to win more than anything else. Sure. And I think that Cleveland gives you the most immediate option to win because you have a functional quarterback. Right. Um, and yeah, so I, I like Baker because he's he's uh, he's the kind of dude I think I could hang out with. He's he's probably the kind of guy who you think is a prick until you get to know him, and then yeah, he's like he's your, your best buddy. Yeah, he's your kind of prick. You right. know what I'm saying? He's like yeah. he's the prick on my team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's got the uh, cheers to us, fuck everybody else mentality. Sure. And that it's works just, in team sports really well. Right. It's leader. the same way we felt about Richard Sherman for many many years. Sure. Yeah. He's an yeah. asshole. He's our asshole. Right. Yeah, we like. And that. now I watch him do it, and it's just it's more of a. Well, now you're just kind of a, a wrestling heel that I don't care for. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, exactly. So the um, I was thinking about Tampa Bay. I don't want to deal with Jameis. You don't want to deal with Jameis? No, or that field. That field sucks. That's the first thing. I'd, I'd have the owner, like, hey, can yeah. you change this field out? Because yeah. this field sucks. I don't want to have any sort of situation where I've got to deal with, like, the, the facilities are actively working against my success. I don't, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> Right. Go back. This goes back to my point where real grass has no place in the modern NFL. It really doesn't anymore. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. However, uh, they have a they have a decent tradition. They've got they've got decent players. You know, I like I like that part of the I like that part of the country. Um, the rest of these are just disasters, man. Like, if Cincinnati hires Hugh Jackson, why would you <laughs> why would you fire Marvin Lewis if you're just going to hire Hugh Jackson? Because you kept Marvin Lewis for like ten years. <laughs> so you're gonna hire a coach who's three and thirty six or whatever? Yeah. Oh God. No wonder they're never gonna win. Um, Green Bay's no good. I can't deal with Aaron Rodgers. Not now. Not at this point in his career. Six, seven years ago, I think it would have been a great job. Yeah. Because you could have built a collaboration with him, right? And I think that's. I don't know what you know where the relationship soured, but it never did seem like he got as much input as he wanted. And I don't understand if you're McCarthy. You know, I really would like to hear both of them sit down and talk about this specifically you're never gonna get real answers out of them but it'd be nice to like be a fly on the wall and understand the personnel uh, entanglement in that that coach qb room like trying right. to figure out why is he so frustrated with what you're doing like why is the game why is this consistently a problem for so many years he's a he's aaron Rodgers is the perfect target for some sort of tell-all book well, yeah, because he's he's got all kinds of weird stories and it seems like the people around him are not necessarily good people yeah, there's shit going on. Yeah. There's enough famous girlfriends in there, too, who yeah. can, like, spill a bunch of crap about him, how he's, like, terrible. Yeah. It'd be the kind of thing where you eventually go to him and be like, I'm writing this book. Do you want to say your piece? No. Okay, well, I'm writing it anyway. <laughs> so, you Here, know. Have this. Yeah. yeah. Um, Denver. You don't want to work for John Elway. Well, that's the problem, I think, at this point. Because I actually think that's a pretty good job overall. Um, our friend Matt uh, from the Chicago area who is a Broncos fan, but you know, so Chicago by way of Denver um, was telling me that his thought is to trade uh, Von Miller for Carson Wentz. Yeah. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good good deal. That's a pretty good deal. You know, anyway, but always roster construction is pretty good except for the coach QB problem. It's the clearly the thing he's not objective about is what he thinks a head coach needs to bring to the table. And then what he thinks a quarterback, what, what he values in a quarterback are not in line with actual successful football in today's NFL. Right. But their defense has been great for seven years. Yeah. I mean, and they, they cycle guys in and they make a couple of rock, you know, key superstars. That's the challenge of being a legend and trying to do this job. Right. I think that's when you're, cause you, cause I think you're, you're, you're I'm John Elway. You, you look in the mirror, you're like, well, if it was me, I'd be winning Super Bowls with this team. But that really thing. wasn't the case for any of his career until the very end. I saw a take that said John Elway was primarily known as a fuck-up until the team came together around him and he was able to pull off a great run and then ride off into the sunset. Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? You, he, he picked off two. Yeah. Was it two out of three? Or two out of three. Two in a row? Two in a row. Two in a row. Yeah. I mean, that's that'll that'll save your career. That'll save your career 10 times out of 10. Put you in the Hall of Fame most times. <laughs> Two in a row and then bail. You're probably going in even if you had a crappy career up to that point. Arizona's Arizona's a bottom of the barrel deal, too. You think that's the worst job on this list? Close, right? 
I don't know. That Jets job seems like impossible. Well, just because New York sucks. Right. And New sharing York. facilities. Again, I don't want to deal with a situation where I'm, I'm, I'm handicapped in any way. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I guess maybe the Miami thing is saved by the fact that it's in Miami. Yeah. And, and they've been bad a, for a really long time now. Right. And that division's kind of sucky. But the thing about that's the thing about Arizona is, you know, you're going to you're going to have two at least two much better teams than you in your division for a while. Yeah. It really depends, I think, on how much rapport you can build with a dude like Rosen and how much talent he actually has. And it's really hard to tell right now. He obviously was pretty much horrific all year long, but most of the rookie quarterbacks were bad. Um, and that's, I think, why I come back to Cleveland, because Baker's got flaws, but I can see what they are. And I can build an offense, you know, that sort of uses his skill set in a way that maximizes it. Yeah. Yeah, let's look ahead to the let's look ahead to this weekend. Do you have a you have a thought about which game that, that excites you? Well, I mean, obviously the Hawks game, but that Bears Eagles game is shaping up to be pretty sweet. <laughs> that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be good watching. Well, I suppose it depends on if the Bears can get pressure on BDN back there, or if uh, <laughs> if he can just <laughs> roll through them. FLF, <laughs> as we like to call him. Yeah. But the uh, no, I, I'm pretty. I'm actually pretty excited about football right now, and I don't know if I was excited. I don't think I was excited about football all year long, to be honest with you. And I think I'm just starting to pick up a little bit of of excitement. Interesting, because I feel like this is one of the most entertaining seasons we've had in in, in at least in recent memory, because we had a couple of dominant teams that had really glaring flaws. So that and, and the whole thing felt really wide open all season. So nobody ever felt out of it, and most of the teams weren't until the last week or two of the season. Um, you had some throwback performances from some of the older guys, like Breeze, uh, Tom Brady, like finally really started to openly suck. Um, I mean, so much cool stuff happened, um, and then the Seahawks overachieved, and so locally it's been exciting. I'm surprised to hear that you've been lukewarm on it this year. I, you know, I, I can't really explain it other than I, I think I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop on the Seahawks this year, and it mm. just never did. They just kept, mm-hmm. they just kept surprising me. Mm-hmm. But I've been slightly pessimistic. Yeah, I've been slightly, you know, pessimistic about them. But, um, but I'm glad they, I'm glad they performed well. I just was sort of waiting for them to implode, <laughs> and they just never did, which is great. Which is maybe you know says more about me than than it does about them, but. Uh, as a fan or a whatever, a non-fan. I think sometimes the fact that I go in person a lot um, colors my opinion differently than yours too. Because if you watch on TV, when the team is talented but has flaws, it's a lot more obvious what those flaws are on TV because you can see the execution. You, you get a lot more information about how the play develops. Um, in the stadium, you can see things happen, but all that really matters in the stadium is winning, not so much how you win. So you walk out of a victory that might've been close and ugly on TV and feel good. And when you've done that a number of times, you start to feel that sense of belief. Like this is what the team does. This is what they're capable of. And when you watch it on TV, I don't think that feeling comes through quite as starkly. That's an interesting way to slice it. Also the, the announcers on TV openly hate the Seahawks all the time. Oh yeah. They they like, they always think we're whatever the call is. It's somehow we're we're on the short short end of it. Right. They hate us. <laughs> whatever they hate us people. They hate us. <laughs> we're beating the Cowboys this weekend though. So I'm, I think I'm, so. I'm, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about that. I like it. I, I'm not. I don't. I'm not fear the Cowboys because they have a. Um, their quarterback is only mediocre, and they have a bad coach. <laughs> there you go. All right. In the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about Aquaman now. You didn't get a chance to see Aquaman. <laughs> well, that's on purpose, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about it because you're like, "Did you see Aquaman?" And I was like, "No," and I'm not going to. Really? I mean, no. uh, the first argument that I made was, "Is it really a, a Little Mermaid sequel?" Which it it might be. Um, that being said, it's really it's really good. It's really good. Now, I I credit DC for going ahead and just ripping off Marvel. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So we have we have this sort of Zack Snyder vision, which is way, I don't know, way too dark. It's too dark. It's yes. a little too pessimistic. It's a little, it's a little too quote unquote gritty. You know what I mean? Man of Steel is 
Man of Steel is way too dour. Um, Batman vs. Superman is also way too dour. I, yep. Suicide Squad, for all of its flaws, is actually a pretty fun movie. Kind of a <sighs> kind of a bouncy romp of a superhero movie. Yeah, it, they kind of neuter all the cool parts right off the bat. It takes a little. It takes itself a little self serious in spots, but yeah. I think they're. I think they're tracking. Uh, finally, Wonder Woman comes around and they make a good movie. You know, they basically make Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah that's with, a good point. Yeah, and then with Aquaman, they basically make Ragnarok. So that was my question for you: is that you know the things I saw were that he was, that, or there's a scene at least where like an octopus pops up and plays the drums. And I was, do you remember yeah, this? I do. I do. Okay. And it's, it is, they left that in. Well, and I, I looked it up, right? And it's a callback to obviously a, a, a silver age comic book that I couldn't possibly remember. Right. And plus I've never mermaid. read a, com- <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Under the sea. But I read that and I was like, all right, I can't see how I want to see this. I mean, the previews just did not make it look um, good to me at all. Like the two, the scene with the seahorses and the sharks coming, like, crashing together. I don't know what that I mean. That was obviously some sort of a battle. But nothing about it I connected with. And I don't know if that's because I'm not interested in the property originally ever. Like, Aquaman was just sort of this dude that was in the Justice League. It was kind of my perspective on it. Oh. And, oh. you know, he did shit like ride flying fish above the level of the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, sort of Silver Age Aquaman is awfully milk toast right it's very it's very sort of oh let me jump into this water and then whatever it's like it never felt like he had as much utility as the rest i mean and that's a common joke that gets made about aquaman right (laughs) is that oh well if we fight on land you're no you're no good but the i think they did a nice job with the uh with the movie because number one momoa is very good in this role yes he's kind of he's he's they gave him enough sort of smirking charm mm-hmm. and he plays it very well. And so he's instantly likable in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave him a nice origin story and they kept the action rolling. And I think that was, that's, that's part of it. I think that's, that it's easy to sort of navel gaze a lot, which is, was the problem with Superman. And, you know, that's the problem with man of steel is, he mopes around for most of the movie. You're like, Jesus, we just quit moping around and do Superman stuff. Yeah, well, Cavill's. Pro- I think Cavill is a problem in those movies. Not to get away and talk about soups, but you watch Cavill in like MI4, or not MI4, but rather Fallout, MI Fallout, right? And he playing off of Cruz's character and 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 uh, now her name escapes me. Rebecca Ferguson. Thank you, <laughs> the White Queen. Uh, (laughs) Rebecca Ferguson's character he's really good he's actually very engaging Um, I really liked him in The Man from Uncle but again there he's playing part of an ensemble but in Superman it's just I can't he's not like a bad actor or anything he's just not he doesn't connect to the role I don't think it's Cavill's fault you think think it's it's just a script in the direction I think it's a script in the direction yeah those movies lack heart right right which is which is a Zack Snyder thing right but Superman is all about heart it's all about heart, yeah. and that's th- that's what he misses. I mean, Zack Snyder. Nobody makes better comic book images on film than Zack Snyder. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, there's nobody in the Marvel universe who makes better looking superheroes. He's just like a it, DP that needs to work with a talented director. <laughs> exactly. He's just he's amazing at that, and not amazing at the story piece, which is really what makes this happen. And right. and so it's nice. Uh, Aquaman has some nice rolling arcs. The, there's obviously there are things to complain about, like there aren't anything. It's like, does Aquaman really need a submarine to fly around? You know, to go around? Do they need vehicles? <laughs> but, but sure. I mean, it just gives the universe maybe the undersea world a little more. It's gonna be faster, right? Fate. Yeah, you have to use your power, or whatever. But Aquaman can swim like as fast as he needs to swim all the right. way across the ocean. Maybe whatever. it takes effort. We don't understand. He gets tired. <laughs> I get gassed. Maybe out. he had a big meal. So he needs to, you know, <laughs> right. you know, can't do all that swimming. They did a lot of clever things. And, um, and I think it's, uh, and the payoffs are nice and all the, and all the performances are good. So, you know, you get a Willem Dafoe in there. Really? Um, who's does Willem Dafoe things. Yeah. Um, and then you get uh, you get Patrick Wilson. 
as now Patrick Wilson's got Patrick. You could put Pat Patrick Wilson is like the perfect superhero looking type person. You could, sure. He could he could have easily been Batman. He could you could put sure. him in any costume in every movie and any any superhero and he could be that guy. I was always surprised. Patrick Wilson to me always felt like he was going to end up on Game of Thrones. And when I saw him in this this trailer, I was like. Well, then and I really want to see you on Game of Thrones because he looks really good in the armor, in the Aquaman yeah. armor, or it's right. not Aquaman armor, but right. Atlantean armor rather. Patrick Wilson has—he doesn't have as good a career as he should. That's really what it comes down to. He's super talented. Mm-hmm. Like, did you ever see the? Uh, <laughs> did you ever see the Phantom of the Opera, the Gerard Butler Phantom of the Opera? No. No. All right, I'm, don't. I'm not a Phantom movie guy. Don't. <laughs> However, um, he's in it. He's a terrific singer. The guy—he's like—he's really talented. He sure. is—he's—he's he's one of these—he's one of these people who should have at least an Aaron Eckhart career. Do you Does th- he not? I, Don't you I, feel like he already isn't that? that no, I think Eckhart's—I think Eckhart's career is better than Patrick Wilson's. Okay, but maybe they're in the same—they're in the same strata. Maybe we need to do the two old revive the old two stars one slot bit <laughs> from uh, that website from the early two thousands. Oh yeah, I yeah. Think Television without pity—that's what it was called. Right. They did two star two stars one slot. And it's like these two people are too similar. And the world can only has room for one. Which one wins? Eckhart <laughs> Wilson would be a perfect uh, a perfect um, um, battle there because, but I do think Patrick Wilson's career should be better. Okay. I mean, he's a good actor. Yes. He's good looking. He does every time he every time he shows up, he's good. He's good. Will he's good looking in a in a in a mannequin-y way. Yeah, but like he's definitely good looking. But it's it's very like he's too like. A, Are you saying it's too generic? A little bit. I think that's part of it. his look is too generic. He's kind of like a rich man's um, Will Arnett. <laughs> <laughs> I think Will Arnett's very good looking. Well, I think he. I, I don't think he's bad looking either, but he's not as good looking as Patrick Wilson. How wasn't this supposed to be a segment about Aquaman? Well, Patrick Wilson's in Aquaman. Anyway, what, what I'm supposed to argue? Am I supposed to convince you some way to, to go see Aquaman? You should. That's what I want. Yeah, because you're not doing a good job. I'm still not into it. You're still not into it. Well, I mean, what if makes you're not what, into what, it? Because what I. What I read about it tells me that it's just too corny. Like, I, I did read the same... I read similar reviews about Ragnarok and Stay Away to begin with and regretted it when I finally saw it. I was like, this movie's awesome. It might be the best Marvel movie in, f- in four or five years. Um, You're going to feel the same way about Aquaman. <laughs> but then I see comparisons like, as far as comparable properties go, Aquaman has more in common with Super Sentai or the epics of Chinese director Zhang Yimou, House of Flying Daggers, The Great Wall, <laughs> than any other recent DC film. Okay, so I, somebody who actually watched The Great Wall, that's not something that makes me want to go see Aquaman. What? Matt Damon is terrific oh my God, in that show. The Great Wall is inexplicable. I feel like we've <laughs> talked about it on the podcast before, but maybe not. But if you haven't seen The Great Wall, it's terrible, but you should watch it anyway. And Pedro Pablo it's still, Pascal it's, it's still is, Pedro. Is, is in that movie, too. Let's see. If you like Ragnarok, it's very much Ragnarok. It All has right. a lot of the same... It has a lot of the same It lightness. doesn't have Tessa Thompson. It does not have Tessa Thompson, but it has Amber Heard <laughs> playing Ariel. Okay. From The Little Mermaid. His girlfriend. Again, it's I think it's I think it's good. It's got a little it's got a, it gives the it universe building is hard, first it of is. all. But they do a really nice job of building this undersea it's not just Atlantis. There are several tribes. Sure. One of one tribe, undersea tribe, led by the great Dolph Lundgren. Okay. So all I right, mean, <laughs> you, you're breaking down the wall now. <laughs> I'm breaking down the walls now. <laughs> you should see it. It's it may be a little long, but at this point, I would rather have one good and enjoyable long movie than than something compact, for, especially for DC, who's again sort of behind the eight ball. Um, and just to wrap this up, they're going to run into trouble here because. Cavill's done being Superman, so they're gonna have to redo that. Right. And then Batman's gonna get a movie, and then if, if Affleck's doing that movie, but then he's not gonna come back. So you basically have Gal Gadot and Momoa to try to take you down the next, the next ten years. Of, yeah. And we'll see and how that what's works. What's his out. flash face? I can't remember that kid's name. 
Oh, yes. Flash face. Anywho, go see so, it. Go I see Aquaman, huh? I think it's. I think it. I think you need to. I think okay. you, if, if you're. I mean, if you're, if you're interested in superhero fare, I think it's as good. I think it's sort of a top middle third of all the Marvel DC stuff. Really? I think it's on par with Ragnarok. I really do. <sighs> all right. I mean, I'm just. I. I'm really having a hard time buying it. <laughs> <laughs> and I watched like a lot of bad movies over the holiday break. Um, yeah, what was yeah. the what was the worst of the bad movies you saw? Rampage was the worst of the, the bad movies. Oh man, movies. that movie sucks. It's really bad. I was watching it this evening too because it just sort of on, and I was making dinner. Yeah, and I was like, I'm just gonna go ahead and let this run. Yeah, that is a that is a horrific film. It took me three tries to get through it. I fell asleep <laughs> two separate times. <laughs> um. And then one I saw, though, that was way better than I expected it to be. Speaking of The Rock, Skyscraper. It's better? It's good. It's I good? Mean, it's not good, but it's... <laughs> if, 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 if Rampage is a two, uh-huh. Skyscraper is like a six and a half at least. Oh, okay. If not even, like, touching an eight. I, I th- this is your Nev Campbell uh, fanboy coming through, isn't not it? Not really. That was never my thing. <laughs> She's, right. She was always too old for me. All right, fine. <laughs> I was more of a Lacey, Lacey Chabert kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, and in the final segment tonight, um, we're going to talk about Louis C.K. Um, uh, hooray. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is interesting because I have some thoughts about Louis. And if uh, for those of you, uh, you can, you can uh, listen to the entire set on YouTube that he performed just a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're interested in that, I mean, I, and if, you, if you're if you not supporting Louis C.K. anymore, I totally understand that, too. <laughs> because what he did was not cool. I'm ambivalent about the whole thing for different reasons. We'll get to them. Yeah. But, I'm, so I, my first thoughts are, as I listen to the, as I listen to it, I'm, I'm very much a consumer of stand-up comedy. I really enjoy the art form that is sure. stand-up comedy. Sure. And it's interesting doing comedy as a pariah. And I think, and I think there's there's no comedian better suited to doing comedy as a pariah than Louis C.K. Now, will he ever be accepted broadly like he was before? The answer is probably not. <laughs> I mean, this this you know his actions are going to haunt him, and they and they should. Mm-hmm. And and uh, but I I don't really believe you know there's this certainly this loud voice they're the loud voices on social media who say he should never be allowed to be to perform again i'm and, not no see I'm, I'm, I'm not with that at all i don't and think i'm that, not and i'm not sure i think that when you when you do this kind of when you do this kind of work like if if there's an audience for you and you can monetize that audience you should i, mean, I feel the and, same way about sports too i don't think that I, you should just get excommunicated right and there's a there's i mean what he did was wrong, mm-hmm. uh, but it's and even if he had gotten convicted of something and gone to jail for ten years, and came out and decided to come back and do comedy, I would not begrudge him his audience. Right. You know what I'm saying? If he says I'm going to go to this place and do comedy, uh, tickets are ten dollars. If you pay it, if if you're willing to pay it, you you're you're good. You're fine. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem with that. And um, I also, you know, I also have some thoughts about if you go to a comedy show, that's not a safe place. <laughs> you should, if you pay tickets to go to a comedy club, you, you have not entered a safe place. You have no right to a quote unquote safe place. If, some, if a comedian says something so wildly offensive that, that you need to leave or ask for a refund, you should do that. Mm-hmm. And the comedy club should provide you a refund, and allow you to leave. And I and I'm I'm not sure. And but I don't think you're sort of. I don't think you're entitled to say. You cannot perform that material. Ever. Even if it is quote unquote offensive to you. Okay. Well, I mean, that's the so that's so. If I'm if I if I go by those two ground rules. And I listened to the Louis C.K. It's like forty-five minutes of material. It's pretty funny. 
and the set has moments sure like the controversial part to me isn't it's just not funny we'll get so we'll get to that so the um so yeah so just like any band or any performer or any artist you know you're gonna have like when he's really good he's really funny and then there's some stuff that's gonna miss right you're not gonna it's not no one is peddled in metal funny for an hour an hour and a half nobody is i mean it's just the way that it's just the way it works right even something as brilliant as eddie murphy raw is not a hundred percent hilarious well there's different moments of hilarity but i mean and certainly you watch like delirious it's got real problems sure um and I guess when you want to get into the, the actual part that, he, you know, he, he obviously called out the Parkland kids and said they're not interesting because they went to a school where they got shot at. And I, I think that to me, that's just this is kind of a false premise. Like, I'm much more interested to actually hear from a teenager who wants to change the world for the better because of this tragedy they went through and, and can do it in a engaging way and can use the media and social media to get points across that we otherwise haven't been able to discuss in any meaningful way in society that I am in a 50 year old comedian saying that they're not interesting. (laughs) So here's what's funny. And that, that whole, that whole bit, when you catch the excerpt, so there's a whole run up to that joke. Sure. And so the run up is the first, the first, how he opens that for how he opens that joke is He's talking to his kids. Right. And his kids say to him, his youngest kid says to him, um, Dad, stand-up comedy is dumb. And so he makes a joke about, well, what do you know? You're a dependent. Like, you, you live in this big fancy apartment because your dad does stand-up comedy. Right. right? So, he's, so he's working into this. Now, mm-hmm. then, of course, he says, then he works into the joke where he says... You're not interesting. You're just a kid. Mm-hmm. You haven't done anything. And then there's here. Then he lands the Parkland joke, which it goes essentially like, just because a bunch of kids got shot at your school doesn't make you interesting. Sure. Which now, if we're talking about Louis C.K., if you've listened, if you've known Louis C.K.'s whole career, you know that he's going to land some sort of, he's going to tread some some really thin ice, and he does that now. I don't I'm not caping up for this joke. Right. But what 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 occurs to me is that this whole that whole bit that he does mm-hmm. is essentially the entire premise of Goodwill Hunting, which is a movie we all like and appreciate, which is Robin Williams sits Matt Damon down and says, "You're the smartest person I've ever met. But guess what? You don't know shit." Mm-hmm. You're just a kid. You haven't lived. You you can tell me all about the Sistine Chapel, but you've never stood underneath it. Mm-hmm. Who are you to tell me what I am and who I am? And this is that's and so that was the interesting part to me. This is where this is where the this is where the sort of the rubber meets the road for me, is that Louis C.K. is essentially telling you that same story. He's telling you the end of Goodwill Hunting. He's he's having that conversation. In a very crude and probably he, you know, he's he's trying to drop something that's controversial, something that will get him some, some some flack. But it's the same thing. It's the same premise. It's when I listened to it, what I heard was that same conversation Robin Williams and Matt Damon have at the end of Goodwill Hunting, which I, was interesting to me because it's kind of true in mm-hmm. that. No, and, and I'm not saying that the, those kids who endured that horrible tragedy or have endured horrible tragedies all over the nation, all over the world, don't have a perspective to give. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that it's it's perhaps not for for them to say their experience is the way we should all you know they should they should because they've had horrible experiences should they be allowed to dictate the behavior of an entire society which 
which is an interesting which is an interesting thought i mean it's hard it's not i mean this is it's a this is a this is a very complex issue it's not about one guy makes a joke and you know we're either outraged or mm-hmm. or all in for it my perspective was it got me thinking mm-hmm. and 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 i listened to those i listened to those people on the news and i think they have again a lot of things to share i mean this country will be run by them in sooner than you think mm-hmm. and and hopefully i will continue to be a citizen of this country you know living you know in those times and 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 i'm always hoping for the best i'm always hoping that you know we we as a society put a lot of value in our young people and and it's important for us to root for them but it's still an interesting thing that that i mean you wouldn't want some i mean if someone walked into your job tomorrow who'd never done it and told you that you were doing it all wrong you'd tell them to fuck off it's like well i went it i i studied it in college i know i know this it's like well you don't know shit i've been working in this business for you know 25 30 years like mm-hmm. i have i have a perspective experience has value youth and idealism has value and and this joke is sort of trying to trying to split the difference on that. I think you're giving him a lot more credit than he deserves. Um, I don't know if I this is I'm I, what I'm saying is this is what I got out of it. Now fair. whether whatever Louis C.K. intended is 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 his own bit is his own deal. All right, but just like are you done? Like, you talk for ten straight minutes. But just like song <laughs> stories and other things. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I mean, like saying it's it was interesting to me. That's fine, I mean, but but you, you, you don't you don't you don't buy it. You're not buying it. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. No. Now I'm with you. Up, I'm with you with uh, the whole thing about. I don't think you should be excommunicated. I think you should. If there's an audience for your whatever your material is, I don't care what it is. If there's an audience for it, you should be able to do it. Um, I don't think you're owed a platform. So if a comedy club owner doesn't want you in their club, that's up to them. Um, if the TV for people sure. don't want to put you on TV, that's up to them. Perfect. Um, I don't really actually have a problem with the premise of his joke other than I told you I sort of disagree with it. I don't I think it's kind of a hacky premise to say that these kids aren't by definition interesting. I just don't agree with that premise, but that's sort of neither here nor there for the, the, the sake of the conversation. What I didn't like and I think you left out in the run up too is when he talked about well, when I was growing up, we were doing doing all this stuff and get, being all crazy and now kids today are, are lame. You know, they're not they're not doing anything crazy. They're trying to police behavior and, and all this and I get what he's saying but I also think that the context of that shows like just a willing a willful ignorance about the world we're living in right now I feel like if I was I remember being I don't know fifth sixth grade and the environment was like a big deal and feeling real strongly about that and wanting to like do what I could to, to fix it and when you're, you're you're young you're definitely more of an idealist and, and you know you haven't been overtaken by cynicism so I think that one I don't of course kids today aren't going to be going crazy when they've functionally been told by reliable sources that the planet is in serious trouble, perhaps in their lifetime. Um, I think it's hard to just be like, Oh, I want to run around and smoke cigarettes and fuck and, you know, drink beer, wine coolers or whatever I'm doing on the weekends when you're literally being told that it's either, it's a kind of now or never on shifting gears on this kind of stuff. And the, the adults who are in charge are not doing it for you. So I, I'm not, I guess I go back to him. His points just to me don't ring true that the world is the way it is because it was made the way it is by people like Louis CK. And so to then turn around and be like, well, why aren't you just doing whatever you want? Like we did when, you know, when, you know, it was the sixties and seventies and sort of this, it was a different existential threat of you could die tomorrow. Whereas that's, I, I think the fear of you could die tomorrow is a one that galvanizes people toward poor decision-making that he's describing. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas, yeah, you could die tomorrow, but you're almost certainly going to die in less than 30 or 40 years. It's the kind of thing that is more of a downer and just puts this blanket of depression over this following generation. I think that's a real problem. And I think that's why you're seeing these youth activists. And you made a very solid point about, you know, children not having the experience to necessarily be able to step into a role and say they know what they're talking about. However, in this particular case, we are talking about the victims of you know, a pretty horrific crime who do have perspective that almost nobody else has. And these are the first, this is the first set of students 
in this culture, this online culture of, of this age who had enough wherewithal and the ability to speak out on the issue to actually do something about it. You know, when we let Sandy Hook happen and nothing changed, that was pretty, pretty clear that nothing was ever going to change. But those children couldn't stand up and say, this was the worst thing that's ever happened in my life because they have, they really have no perspective. We're talking about young adults, people who are trying to go enter the world that they want to live in for the remainder of their life. And they just got the worst end of it possible. So I just don't see the value in what he's bringing to, you know, this, this comedy. I don't, again, I don't care one way or the other, whether or not he performs. Um, I don't, I did, this did actually spur me to go watch some old material. And I did, cringe in the way I've been cringing about a lot of older comedy material, even stuff that's only five or six years old. I, you know, we brought it somehow the, the key and peel East West name bowl came up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in conversation, like natural conversation a few days ago. And somebody in the group didn't know what it was. And then it's like, Oh, check it out. And then we're watching it. I'm like, is this funny or is it just racist? <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of those things where that's the reason that Chappelle left his show, right? Because he felt like the white people laughing at his, blatant sort of I'm making fun of racism in an ironic way they, they were laughing too hard and I think that's what really got me about this clip is whoever's bootlegging this when he's mm. doing that bit is like yeah fuck them and that to me is where I start to it really starts to rub me the wrong way it's like the comedy is one thing whatever there's a performance you have material say whatever you want mm. when you're getting a reaction from the kind of person who is actively looking to perhaps not make the world a better place that's where I start to it starts to really make me feel like just bad in general. So I I I hear where you're coming from. And you know, I, I don't know that we even have differing viewpoints. You know, I, I tend to see these things. I tend to see these things from a glass half full perspective. I Mm -hmm. think that, that part of the point he's making about these young people, like for me, I think that when I, when I hear that joke, what I, what I see is perhaps a wish that, kids could have fun and not have to deal with this shit. And that's, and that's, kind he could have made that. There's a bit there to do. Though. There's a bit there to do. And, and he's and not I doing that, that one. He's doing the easy joke. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's what, for me, when I, again, my own filter, you know, you hear these jokes and I, and I think to myself, I think underneath all that crap, <laughs> and this is me maybe reading too much into it, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a wish that, that kids could go back to just being, dumb and having some fun until they have to grow up and not having to grow up too early. Well, I think unfortunately um, our leaders have failed the next generation intensely. I, Mm -hmm. and now I feel really trapped in this weird limbo right now of like we talked we've talked before about saving the earth and consumption and, you know, the conspicuous consumption. And you've seen these, I don't know if you saw that viral video, like the 13 year old girl who's like, I've done all these things in my life to try to change. Like, we all have to do this or we're all going to die. <laughs> have you seen this? Have you know what I'm talking about? Huh? She's basically like, I don't eat this. I don't eat that. I, I stopped eating meat. Um, I've convinced my family not to fly anymore. And so there's all these, these things that she's right. Like if we really want to make real change, but it's the kind of thing where everyone has to do it or it's not going to make an impact. So no one's going to do it. And that's this kind of existential threat thing that really gets like hurts me deep down where it's like when you, when you need everyone to do something, but there's no immediate benefit because humans are just not wired to make change that will manifest 20 years from now. That's just not no, how that's, human beings that's work. Just not how, that's not how human beings work at all. And I so mean, that shit's depressing. So to hear Louis do a, a bit about why aren't people having more fun? It's like, well, because it seems like we're on a really bad path and we've been told that the earth is going to end in like one or two generations possibly or become mostly uninhabitable. Yeah. I mean, it's hard but to that, laugh but, about that. You know, this is right. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to make <laughs> jokes about that. Yeah. But then, or the, or you could take the other again. The sunny side of the street is that when faced with the human race, finds a way to survive. Now, which is to say that that there's there might be some intense pain that people go through, but you know, I don't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not worried about it in that way. I'm not worried about it in the way that you know the the million ton boulder rolling at one mile an hour way i i really think that that uh that there's you know you just make your life as good as you can now i mean which is a terrible thing to say but 
But if you make if like this young woman and that you're referring to, mm-hmm. if you're doing the things that you're that you're doing, if you're doing what you can, mm-hmm. and then you're encouraging the people close to you to do what they can, may, I mean maybe that's the best you can do. For now, maybe. Anyway, interesting All right. thought. All right, so thanks to Matt from last week who jumped in and filled in for me. Um, I, <laughs> I'm gonna. I have. I missed. I feel like I'm Mr. Contrary today, but uh, the, the what, other, what Musk, other assholes you want to defend? <laughs> Elon Musk. Elon Musk's car tube. Okay. So <laughs> the Elon Musk car tube is, without question, completely, completely over-engineered and goofy. But the uh, I remember a conversation that we had where. The automatic, like the auto driving car, mm-hmm. um, under the mantle of how data gets routed, if mm-hmm. your car yeah, like gets routed, all the cars the are network way. packets. Sure, right. All the cars are network packets. It open thing. Now, this isn't a horrible way to do it um, in a larger, in a larger scale. Um, just to say that if I'm bypassing, like say the city of Seattle, and I'm going to go from one end to the other, to go non-stop 50 miles an hour on a dedicated track where I don't have to handle my car isn't a bad isn't a bad deal. Yeah, but the logistics of the entire thing are just insane. Like you're not going to dig this tunnel. Well, I mean, let's say so no. <laughs> but I don't think that I don't think I think there's an idea there to say well, how my 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 thought was my thought was how do we how do we share how do we leverage, like, the train, the train tracks and cars? I think there's there might be an idea there. It would make more sense to me for there to be a train that num- a numerous cars boarded, like a ferry. Like, a, like it's, I don't you know. load it up and then yeah, go across go 20 across cars town. or whatever, and it goes through its tunnel. Yeah. I would just say that how to, how to, you know, create cars that can use the tracks. During during scheduled during scheduled or non scheduled, yeah, know. I guess as long as you don't have people in control of them, that's what I'm saying. That's the so so that's the the idea is, I mean, like I said, it's a thousand million percent over engineered. <laughs> like we're not going to build these capillary system underneath like people's cities yeah, that 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 shuttle people back and forth. But I think there's an interesting thought to me on how you would could leverage the rail system and have cars access it. I think the thing that Matt and I were so incredulous about was primarily that this got built as much (laughs) as it did. It's like, it just didn't make any sense to, to go through the effort. Like it's the kind of thing where when you had the model, someone should say, wait, but what, how's this, what is this doing? (laughs) So you made a shitty subway. What, how does that help? Right. Oh, I don't know. Like I said, it's no. Uh, I think what you're saying about getting through a city because that's the thing you can't do with public transportation. I can't park at the train station and then catch the train and then pick up another car. But maybe that's the problem we need to solve. Like they, I don't like less personal cars, and I don't know. Man, I don't know. Well, this is <laughs> it's again. This is America. It's like you know these cars are part of cars took the place of horses and cowboys and whatnot i mean people people identify with cars in this country more so than almost any other country in the world I, well I yeah it, intracontinental mobility is a sort of a key aspect of our country yeah okay. so i don't know like i said creating bypasses through big cities using some sort of automated track system that takes you from like Again, how about just in a better express lane system? So I don't have to. I mean, it's really (laughs) I I appreciate where you're coming from. uh, Your bright side point of view on this one. I think Elon has not cooked up a winner here. (laughs) (laughs) How about he focuses on the the shared GPS routing system like we talked about that all the cars just link into once they get within a certain radius of the city and then they just the, the traffic moves itself. Yeah, well, because that would solve so many problems. If there were well, actual merging, if no, if the car just merged itself and all the other cars automatically would let it, and there was fixed speeds and things like that, that would solve 
a great deal of problematic. Automated issues. zipper merging would be pretty sweet. Yes. I, people get I, mad because you go to the end of the line, the lane, because you don't. You, know, you heard me talk with Matt about getting on the freeway at forty-five miles an hour. We're gonna die. I mean, like, can you please speed up before I get slammed into by this big rig flying down the freeway at seventy miles an hour in the right lane? Not uh, great. Not great. Not great. Anyway, um, and we're well into the OT. Yes. Um, we you want to talk? You want to talk about your uh, your your upcoming event? <laughs> You're gonna say what? Speaking of. Speaking of tubes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking yes. of choking up the tubes. Yeah, I'm going, um, getting the snip done tomorrow. Going, going. Actually, for listeners, by the time you're hearing this, I will probably be at the doctor's office. Yes. So I have had this procedure. Mm. And, and it's not unpleasant. I mean, it's, it's not like, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a local Sure, but what I will, I what I will tell you uh-huh. to do is um, go ahead and handle your own shaving. Oh, I already did that. Good for you. Yeah, because for some odd reason, like the way it was scheduled, is like ah oh, la 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 la, and it was like I didn't. Oh yeah. So like the doctor just basically grabbed like a bic razor and just handled it like there on the spot like yeah drop like dry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just scratch that shit off there yeah and so so after it was all over and said it done okay so now hold on now i have a first blood image in my head <laughs> somebody telling the doctor shave him dry <laughs> it's your nutsack in the chair yeah and but it, you know, it was so funny because obviously this doctor does this for a living as his as his moniker is Dr. Snip. Yeah. It's two um, guys. One guy's an innovator too. My understanding is this procedure is some sort of a like minimum invasion procedure. Like there's almost no, there's no like uh, incision anymore. It's all done with like robots and lasers. Yeah. Like a, one of the, you know, the, the, the fiber optic microscope or yeah. and the, yeah, just like you stick the whole rig in there and just do it with the remote hands. I'm, I mean, like I said, I, no needles. I went through the procedure, and it wasn't that bad to begin with. And mm-hmm. so if they've made it better, then God bless them. I think that's a, that's a fine thing. But uh, but you didn't decide to wait until some sort of, like, other type of, like, where you could get, like, Master's Weekend or the opening of, <laughs> the opening of March Madness. Just didn't want to wait for that. Just to, just to sort of be couch-ridden for a couple days well, or whatever. Well, reading... Reading their, you know, their their follow up stuff, it didn't seem like I was going to be out of commission that long. Um, I know well, you, if, if stuff goes sideways, I could be, but like, there's they talk about they they recommend you don't ice now, so there's no like sitting on the bag of peas. Um, that's I don't think out. I did that either. <laughs> so that's out the window, and it was like they they basically you can resume your life in about forty eight hours, and you can't you just can't do anything strenuous for a week. And I mean, I probably could have gotten away with like the. Couple I don't days know. on the couch. And yeah, like, but have someone would, bring you drinks. I was looking at the schedule and the way that things break down at work. Like the beginning of the the year is a great time. There's not a lot going on right this moment this week, and I've had some time off here, and I have last few days of it uh, at the end of this week, and I've been putting it off for four years. So <laughs> <laughs> I figured I would just hop on it. I just sort of made the decision. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally I just let's just get it done. Oh, fair enough. Well, it's. I get wild card weekend. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, that's that is that that's not bad. That's yeah. not bad. There's just some live golf. The beginning of the live golf season yeah, starts. Yeah, it's not so gonna be the worst. You just camp out and you know whatever. Yeah. Anyway, it shouldn't be. A, it's it's not gonna be a big deal. I hope not. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's really not the, not on on, on tap. Not excited. It was. That. I I recall it being very casual. Like, yeah. Really casual. So, they are very like hard. They, they. It's funny how intense they are about the you're coming right like they, yeah. they, they really yeah. have a lot of the reminders going well because i think that you know because they're they're stacking you up right yeah i mean it's a, that that doctor just goes from room to room yep. and just knocks these out all yep. day long and if you're don't mess up their schedule right because you'll be costing them money yeah so so get there get there early anyway. all right and to wrap up the show tonight um we uh today we lost a couple of entertainment legends, especially the if first, you're a certain age. Yes, of a, if you're certainly a, 
person of my age, you're you're missing. The first one, uh, the legendary wrestling announcer Mean Gene Okerlund, who uh, passed away today. Nobody could lend the needed amount of gravitas to a a savage Hulk Hogan pointless rant like Mean Gene could. Yes. I mean, he actually made it feel like something sensical was going on. He reacted to the insanity with sanity. He was the best possible straight man. He really did um, make it seem like this, this insane rant that the macho man just went on. He'd be like, Oh, well, you, you, you really seem upset, Macho Man. <laughs> <laughs> You've really summed it up. Yeah. You know, he has to stand next to Hacksaw Jim Duggan or any number of, like, ridiculous wrestling people who are screaming their heads off. Like, like how, do, how do you make an Ultimate Warrior promo go? There's only one way to do it, and that's put Mean Gene Okerlund in it. Well, and yeah, you need him to – he's cutting the promo. It's just uh, Warriors has got to react to what he's already saying. You can't rely on Warrior to – to like <laughs> cut a good promo before the match, right? So Mean Gene was—I mean, again, how many years of thirty plus years of my wrestling? I mean, I, I hardly remember wrestling without him. So, so it was—it uh, was—it was sad to hear that news, and uh, and the, we lost today. Super Dave Osborne, Mister yeah. uh, Mister Bob Einstein. Now, Super Dave was when I was. Like junior high or high school, he had a like a Showtime show. Sure, the Super Dave Osborne show, and he would show up on Letterman every yes, now and again. That's how I be- first became aware of him. And he would just it would, and as a kid, I had I couldn't make heads or tails of it. I didn't know that it was funny. I mean, I I had a feeling that it was funny, but as an adult, like looking back, somebody posted a few of those Letterman things today, which I which I uh, watched while I was eating my lunch and. Holy shit, those are funny. Well, I think it's hilarious is that when I was a kid, I don't think I really understood that, like, that, you know, what's clearly a dummy in the shots, like, where the between the cuts. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was so confusing for me. I was like, wait, why isn't he dead? <laughs> I watched a couple of uh, old school clips today uh, that I, I was reminded of the archery one where he's on the spinning wheel, the classic archery stunt, and obviously yes. the dummy just gets peppered with arrows because what else would happen? Right. Um, and then the wrecking ball one. I don't know if you know the wrecking ball one where he sits on a stage and like the yep. construction wrecking ball comes in and crashes through the stage. Uh, and then the last one was the one where he's on the catapult and it's supposed to be some sort of flying dunk, but the catapult just slams him into the backboard <laughs> glass and the glass shatters. <laughs> that, that one, that one really got me. I actually laughed out loud and I saw it again. Yeah. There's a pile driver one too. That's pretty funny. But and, again, it's all, it's, it's, it's it's the delivery, it's that voice, mm-hmm. which which cracks me up. And then the certainly the things that I think I knew but relearned today is that um, that um, Bob Einstein is Albert Brooks's older brother. I didn't realize they were brothers. Yeah, they're brothers. Albert Brooks obviously had to change his name because you couldn't be an Al actor. With, you couldn't be Albert Einstein. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, the Einstein brothers. Um, yeah, crazy, and you know it's it's funny to think about, and you know, his appearances on Curb, your enthusiasm, are just a riot. Yeah, I mean, Marty Funkhouse is one of the greatest TV characters uh, from the last fifteen years, in my opinion. Um, the, there's the way he plays off of Larry and the chemistry they have, where he's just so irritated with him all the time, but somehow they're still friends. Is just right. It's really great, and and, and Funkhauser and Funkhauser just like going through life. Yeah, yeah, and he's just being destroyed by this this fool who keeps making terrible decisions based on his idiosyncrasies, and it somehow comes down. You know, he loses like people die in his life. Like he has a relative that dies from some sort of incident. I don't remember the details now. There's obviously the thing where uh, Larry sets it up for like his son. It's, is it his nephew to like sleep with the hooker, and then he like falls for the hooker. I don't know. I, I I I could go back and catalog the uh, the the greatest Marty Funkhauser hits, but I did find that a lot of my Super Dave memories had been replaced with Funkhauser stuff, and I saw that on Twitter today as well. That um, both Super Dave and Marty Funkhauser were trending, and people were talking about it. it's the Gen X Millennial Divide right here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but great entertainers. I mean, perhaps um, highly influential. Oh, just and fondly remembered by the people who I mean I think that 
that a lot of if you if you said Bob Einstein to people, they would have no idea who they were. But or you know, but if you you know if you say Super Dave or Mean Gene, like people people know them. So it's a uh, it's a uh, it's sad to see them pass, but uh, they've left uh, they've left good memories at least with me. So. So that uh, so thank you to those those folks for entertaining a young kid and uh, and uh, rest in peace. Rest in peace indeed to two titans of the industry. That's our show. Our thanks to all of you for listening to the Two on Three Pod. Please know that we appreciate tremendously the time you choose to spend with us. If you don't already, please subscribe and or review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and don't be shy about sharing your thoughts and suggestions for the show. We'll be back next time with more shenanigans, and until then. Peace!